Overcoming Deficits 5, The Mind Ezekiel 8, verses 5-10, through 10, New American Standard Bible He said to me, Son of man, now dig through the wall. So I dug through the wall, and behold, an entrance. And he said to me, Go in and see the wicked abominations that they are committing here. When we suppress the memory of the original tragedy, the deficit that forms is a neurosis. Neurosis is the pattern of unwanted thoughts and taking undesired actions. Peck 20. It is similar to the behavior Paul described himself as exhibiting in Romans 7, verses 15 through 20, New International Version, where he says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me. Suppression of memories and the pain associated with them always leads to impulsive and involuntary behavior. Impulsive and involuntary behavior are expressions of the wound in our spirit. It is our spirit's way of letting our soul know the injury is real. That is how God created us. I had a client once who I met with on two office visits to discuss employment opportunities. I knew this customer because I was her instructor for a two-week job readiness class almost a year earlier. She was sweet, smart, and funny. She always described her parents, who are pastors, in glowing terms. All around, she was great to work with. So, when I saw her again for the first time in nearly a year, I was excited. The first visit went well. I provided my client with job leads, and we discussed her need to remain focused on enrolling in college. We also discussed the multiple jobs she had over the past year, and how she did not stay on any of them longer than three months. When I asked her about this, she explained to me that she quit the jobs because this person did this, and X person did that. The same excuses we all make. I sensed that something was missing from her story, but after I printed out the college information she needed, I let her go. Around six months later, she came back to my office for the second visit and told me what had been going on in her life. She informed me that she turned to lesbianism and that her girlfriend introduced her to prostitution. First, she worked under her girlfriend's pimp and then independently. She related how she was in many life-threatening situations and that each time the Lord saved her. When I asked her why she kept engaging in sex work when she had such a strong support system at home and was intelligent enough to find a respectable job, she only said, I don't know. Convinced that her behavior was rooted in past trauma, I then asked if she had ever experienced sexual abuse as a child. She broke down and started crying, saying, I don't want to talk about it. I told her that if she was ever going to heal, she had to talk about it. After going back and forth on this point for a little while, she told me what happened. Every day, all throughout middle school, her two brothers had sexually abused her. She had never tried to stop them, although she hated it, and she never told her parents. I was the first person she ever told. She said she did not know how to tell them to stop and was afraid to tell her parents because she wanted to protect them. I then explained to her how those events were the source of her behavior and that all she was doing by being a sex worker was reliving the original wound. I added that unless she dealt with it, she would continue down the same self-destructive path for the rest of her life. 
Suppressing the memory of the tragedy not only brings unwanted behaviors, but also unwanted thoughts. The unwanted thoughts are a scent trail leading to the dead bodies in our long-term memory we don't want to dig up. But we must dig them up. We must deal with the tragedies we have experienced if we are ever to have inner peace. We call the unwanted thoughts a scent trail because they never take the form of the memory itself. They lead us to the memory by hinting at how we were treated in the past. For instance, I used to have this great fear of becoming mentally disabled. Fear of mental impairment was not something I dealt with in the past, and the fear of it would often come suddenly to mind. After seeking God for why I was thinking these thoughts, the Lord brought me back to the memory of how my classmates would bully me in school. They would call me Oreo, white, stupid, and ugly because I was smart and enjoyed learning. That was it. I had thoughts of being mentally handicapped because I wanted acceptance by those kids who were picking on me in school, even after all these years. These scent trails are one of the ways God liberates our thought life. We often have thoughts like the one previously mentioned, and we want God to take them away, but many times He does not. God will not take them away because He is leading us to some traumatic event or need He wants us to address. So once we follow the unwanted thought to the actual memory, what should we do? We need to forgive the person or people who caused the trauma, even if they have not apologized. If they are alive, we need to contact them in some way and let them know we forgive them. Some of us don't feel comfortable seeing the offender face-to-face -face or hearing their voice, so send them a card without your name and return address. My client from the earlier story informed her brothers that she forgave them via text message, and praise God one of them apologized. She was ecstatic. She could not remember the last time she felt so good about herself. Forgiving the offender is not for them, but for us. It offers us the opportunity to be imitators of Christ, Ephesians 5, verse 1, 2 Peter 3, verse 18, and to enjoy a life free of bitterness, which poisons all relationships, Hebrews 12, verse 15.